Hey everybody, welcome to the next cast. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Josh. I'm Steve O. And I'm Tyler. It's really it was really weird having Tyler go last. I'm just saying. <laughs> it felt, I, it. It felt I, like I almost saw him speak up there. <laughs> like he's so used to going second, like and then he's in last place. <laughs> <laughs> I did almost speak up. It was it was just it just felt really weird. Like two years of him going second, you know. <laughs> okay. Uh this is the Linux cast in case you didn't notice. This is a, a a place where that it's a safe place where the fellas get together and we talk about Linux and open source software and we never have any tangents whatsoever. It's never happened, right? That that's that my memory is correct in that, right? Great. Um twenty seven snaps installed. If 27, you're banned. Okay. <laughs> it's pronounced flat pack, dude. Okay. <laughs> oh, uh, I, I have 37 flat packs installed too. Are you still using bedrock? No. no. Okay. That, that was an interesting thing last night. Anyway, anyways, uh, the Linux cast. It was that, a really cool thing last night. That VM still works. That's great. Um, <laughs> That wasn't a tangent. It didn't count. Okay, I'm just saying it didn't. Oh, it was, okay. It didn't count. Okay, okay. Anyways, um, so we're gonna talk about some news. We got some good news to talk about, and um, things that have gone on in the last two weeks. I do apologize for there not being an episode last week. That was my fault. I had a doctor's appointment. Um, but anyways, we're back. We're ready to go. We're better than ever, and uh, we're gonna start off with as we usually do the things we've done in open source this week. So, uh, Steve, you can go first. What do you? What have you done this week? Well. Uh, uh, I started by uh, the week by having what I thought was COVID. Uh, I was bedridden for nine days. Was fun. Uh, the other part was micro. I don't know what you call it. Ma- macro, micro managing uh, the zero Linux uh, Discord server. Uh, they had to do some moderation. Yes, we did. We're reworking. Basically, we're reworking the core team. I had a lot of people part of the core team uh, role, which didn't need to be there. Uh, but the, to summarize, the, the 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 doing a lot of restructuring, and I've been working on uh, <clears throat> on uh, zero Linux uh, because the release is coming up on May fifteenth, second anniversary. I can't believe I've been doing this for two years, uh, but. Uh, a lot of backend work, and I was uh, reading up on Fedora because I am interested in GNOME. And the only best way that people keep convincing, trying to convince me, is best way to try GNOME is Fedora. Uh, mm-hmm. I was into that and uh, uh, reworking on uh, on the ABS uh, ABU tool Abu to Abu uh, from Aladdin. Uh, no, it's not the monkey from Aladdin. It's a tool, a uh, arch utility. Uh, so I got a lot of news, uh, but I talked about them on my podcast, so no need to talk about them here. But suffice it to say, I learned a lot of new things. In, uh, I learned about N-curses, learned about uh, not the existence of N-curses. I, know, I knew it existed, but because I the first time I installed Arch was using ArchPy, which is an N-curses installer. But because uh, that will come soon to zero Linux. But yeah, I learned a, I learned a lot of things, and uh, well, now zero Linux is only KDE. The uh, the spins they only exist for the sake of existing. They don't really matter to me. The anymore. only official uh, zero Linux is KDE. Is KDE? Yeah, 
So, so you're not uh, working, working on the XFCE version anymore? Or did you give up on that? Uh, no, it's, it's, it's out. A, it's a community rebuild. It's basically just like the Manhar- Manjaro's community editions. You were gonna uh, you were gonna call it Manharo, weren't you? I, I was I was just about to. <laughs> well, well they, they exist for the users who prefer those, but they're stock basically. I just applied a, a an icon theme. That's why they're called spins because they're everything that Zero Linux is underneath. They just reskinned and changed the desktop environment. They will not move. They will remain what they are. That's it. I'm not touching those. They exist for those who want to use them. The only official version of Zero Linux is KDE. Everything else doesn't matter. They want the they want the others. They can use them, but they are what they are. They, I'm not modifying them anymore. Uh, but yeah, we're reworking a lot of things under the hood, and it's gonna take a while. Today was the last episode of season two of the podcast because, fortunately, uh, I need to restructure my own life to be able to bring the users more of zero Linux into find a job. I need to, to find a place to stay be, uh, where I'm, where I want to work, which is Greece. So all that needs time. So I need a break. Uh, so yeah, that's what's going on in, uh, in zero Linux land. Uh, so yeah. Okay. B day is coming on. All right, Josh, what have you been doing this weekend? I've had a very productive week. Uh, first of all, uh, I've been working on a project that I'm going to be discussing later, and uh, in the meantime, I've also been working on like uh, some backend infrastructure for like my own content, where it's just like I, as soon as I like push a commit message to this Git server that I that I set up for myself, it'll automatically post like stuff to, stuff to YouTube, uh, PureTube, as well as like my Discord server and stuff. So I'm doing a lot of backend infrastructure work for myself, and uh, it's been an experiment. Uh, because, you know, I am not much of a programmer, and yes, I'm doing everything in Lua like usual. Well, it could be worse. You could be using YAML. I, <laughs> the, I could be using YAML. The, the guy from your, your distro hacking last night really, really likes YAML. He was not happy with me when I said I YAML mean, sucks. I mean, uh, that that's Big Pod. It's just what he does. <laughs> YAML, yummy. Oh, uh, food related. He was right, though. If you have an IDE that, you know, handles the spaces and stuff for I mean, you... Uh, VS Code has amazing YAML support, unlike Vim, where basically you're just edit, you're doing everything in the YAML yeah. uh, manually, unless you install like a specific plugin, which I'm not going to mess with Vim plugins. Yeah, I do YAML, everything honestly. in Vim, and I'm and I'm not installing a plugin just for YAML. Yeah. I don't use it that often. Yeah. Um, uh, that said, uh, I have I found a new text editor for myself. It's called Kate, which is the world's greatest text editor. It is awesome. It is very agree. Good. I agree. Yep. I agree. One hundred percent. We have uh, dropped VS Code. We have left Emacs in the dust, and we all, we still only ever use Vim on our server in an SSH session. I'm sure if you wanted doesn't, the Vim, doesn't Kate require more dependencies than VS Code would. Uh, yeah, uh, of course it does. <laughs> it, it, it 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 involves it, more individual packages, but with with when you bundle up all the dependencies along with Kate itself, it's actually a smaller uh, package size. So. Uh, whereas VS Code is 356 megabytes because you know you're pulling in all of the electron stuff, uh, Kate is only about uh, 78. And you probably already had some of the KDE stuff on your system too. So well, I, I am using KDE Plasma right now. So yes, uh, basically I already have everything I need for Kate. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, like I never have a problem pulling all the stuff down for Crusader uh, because I have. I may or may not be. 
I may or may not be packaging Kate right now for a distribution. <laughs> you 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 made a certain someone happy by using uh, KDE. Well, we're using KDE right up until we install the Intel media driver and then watch it completely break up break our entire operating system because KDE. Well, I just I just learned that the only reason I was uh, hating on Wayland or not being able to use Wayland was because I wasn't using SDDM Git. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know that they they were well, not anyways, pushing, I, pushing anyways, upstream from Git. Uh, before I keep going into and eventually derailing into like my first news item, uh, I'm sure that Zany actually did something this week because you know he actually posted a video. I was getting yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Tyler remembered he had a YouTube channel this week. By the way, <laughs> that's what he's yeah. done. <laughs> and he wouldn't let me in. move on to mine. And he wouldn't let me in. He wouldn't let me in. Don't don't whine. I know. <laughs> a lot of people wanted to join my live stream at, and and chat uh, like yesterday, and so, I was like, no, no, I just I just want to hang out, like try to focus on on what little I can do. I had a very then he um, ended up blabbering. Yeah, <laughs> so Tyler, I mean, it was an AMA stream. So uh, other exactly. other than making videos, what have you been doing this week in open source? Well, uh, I went back to Arch, um, my good old classic home. Uh, it just pure old, like little vanilla Arch. Uh, I went with a encrypted ButterFS install this time. It's pretty freaking nice. Like with, with a nice level of encryption or uh, not encryption. I mean, yes, I do have encryption, but uh, compression. There we go. Um, makes it real nice. Um, and also. Uh, went Wayland and Hyperland. It's been real freaking nice. Turns out been... Wayland actually works. Yeah, uh, for everything. Uh, I think we were. Uh, I think we were talking about it before we went live. But um, the only issue that I have is in Caden Live. And again, this is not a a real issue at all. But in Caden Live, next to the like player, it's the dead space there before you resize it and make the player like the video take out the full size of the player. Uh, that's transparent. So I can see my wall, just my wallpaper unblurred and everything just like right behind it. Again, not that big of a deal. I really don't give a shit. Uh, cause I just resize and it goes away. So, you know, but yeah, that's pretty much my, uh, what I've been up to. Hyperland has been real nice. Uh, might do a live stream, uh, later on with Steve and talking with everybody in discord. Uh, just bullshitting because I really don't have anything to do today. Uh, and my family is, my sister is drunk. She started drinking pretty much right at midday. Uh, <laughs> and my mom has taken uh, some edibles that we got from a store down the street. So <laughs> they're both just destroyed out there. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So for me, I have several things I could possibly talk about. Uh, I'm going to leave the red core stuff for a blog post, but just needless to say, I have failed the six month Linux challenge. I did for the record, make it way longer than Josh. Um, so win there, but, but I had a hardware fa failure. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, like Debian doesn't like anything that was made this year. And I, and I had a, a Matt as an idiot failure. So whatever. And I also, it, it doesn't matter. I have other things to say. I'll talk about the red core stuff in a blog post, but the other thing that, uh, I guess I should just, I, I went and hopped to Archcraft. So I'm back on an Arch-based distro. I'm not. Adi's distro. Adi's distro. 
I'm not sure if I'll end up staying here or not. I'm, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I've got everything. I got everything set up. I will say it is nice to have the AUR back. Um, I didn't realize how much I had missed the AUR until uh, I actually came back to it. But I, I don't know. I'm happy enough. It seems to be staying alive. I'm having some issues with Audacity where like I'm getting some really weird errors when I try to launch it. So I'm not exactly sure what's going on there. Also, the UI looks really, really wanky. So I'm not sure. Use Ocean Audio. Use Ocean Audio. Pause you for just a minute here. Because uh, I just went to Archcraft's website, and they have the world's greatest first sentence in a description. Archcraft is just another Linux distribution made on top of Arch Linux. <laughs> it's very there, dry. There's another, there's another <laughs> certain Arch-based distribution that should say something similar. Just saying that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank that. you, Josh. Thank you, Josh. Thank You're you. welcome. Thank you. Shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyways, that's that's really all I need to say. There's other things that I could talk about, but we'll just go ahead and move on. So, um... Let's go ahead and jump into the news. Josh, you can go first. Oh, I can go first for once? Yeah. All right. Uh, it turns out that the, the Linux experiment put out a video, but apparently it didn't check his news feeds because just earlier that same day, uh, the Solus uh, team decided that they were going to post out a new blog post saying that, hey, we're not a dead distro. <laughs> and uh, I can... And, of course... Uh, I've been I've been working with the Solus team and I'm in like their matrix room, ch just watching like the development chat and all that. They've actually already got got uh, an, a brand new fresh repository being served over over a CDN network. So uh, and uh, they they've pushed out uh, 44 package updates. They are working on compiling things now, including a new ISO, which last I checked, uh, they they're on like their fourth rebuild of the ISO image because. It was, because of issues that they've been noticing with it but uh they should be pushing like a new release uh that way they can have like an, a modern installation media not something that's, that's using a 5.16 kernel so eventually <laughs> it's going to be rebased on serpent os yeah uh, eventually it will be moving to a serpent os base but that's still good but that we're still looking at like maybe two or three years potentially before that even happens. That's just because of how new new uh, yeah. Serpent OS. Okay, is. I, I have so many thoughts on this, but first of all, let me make very clear that I haven't used Solus in at least two years, maybe even three. So it's been a while. But so I have no current really knowledge of how the 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 operating system functions. But I will say that this is the most dramatic. Uh, crew of distro maintainers out there and we know steve right <laughs> like like we know steve he's very dramatic but these guys outdo him like crazy they they they've broken up and come back together at least twice um they have changed their plans on budgie at least three times at one point they were moving to qt then they went back to, they decided just to stay with gtk and then they went to now they're planning on going to the efl libraries right that's still a plan right yeah that's right? still a plan okay and uh <laughs> then just to clarify this by the way budgie is no longer maintained by solus but budgie is its own independent project okay it's yeah been like that for about three years it, now well it hasn't been three years it's been like a year and a half but or something like that yeah but i that may be true but this guy who maintains budgie just went back to Solus, <laughs> so that's yeah. Well, that, uh, that's that's true, right? I mean, the the Solus it, it, it is true. Uh, yeah. Josh Strobal, which is which is uh, the guy that 
you basically see all the blog posts on on from the, like the Solus webpage uh, did did come back into the project, but he is no longer he's not like the primary the developer behind Solus anymore. They've actually restructured the tr- the team so that way there's intentionally no one person that controls everything. Yeah, because that's well, actually been their their big up issues with this year. That was apparently because, uh, their downfall because one dude had all the. Yeah, it it was a uh, Data right? Drake, which, which which is a woman that lives in 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 England, uh, not too far from Rock. Rochester and uh, their package build server, the thing that actually builds the packages that they then serve over the repository, uh, went down due to a hardware failure. And the only one who could it, that re, that mandated physical access to it. Well, this was a physical machine. It wasn't spun up in a cloud service or anything like that. So, and the only one in that relative area was uh, the the lead project developer behind Solus, which is Data Drake. So Data Drake would have to then go over to. Well, at the same time, they were dealing. Uh, when when the issues first started, like when their website went down and all that, uh, it was for much the same issue. But uh, they had like massive massive snowstorms apparently, or something like that. So she physically couldn't go, and then and then she fell into like a big illness that she didn't really disclose too much, as well as a uh, several other personal life issues that just kind of just uh, brought the entire project to a freeze as of uh, about two or three months ago. This is my point. And uh, okay, yeah. That said, they've restructured everything. Uh, their build services are being provided to them uh, from DigitalOcean. So, and uh, they they now have a full team. They have a committee uh, like team of eight people that actually have access to like all the all the build services. That's, now. That stuff's all so great. So hopefully this okay. issue won't happen again. No, no. no. But at the okay. same time, can, can I please say something before you keep? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just want to I just want to finish what I'm saying is I don't trust them. OK, is my point is they keep making these plans, these very grand plans. Right. You know, yeah. moving DFL, moving to QT. That's obviously the budget stuff. Now they're moving to Serpent OS, which you freely admit is a huge, humongous pro- project. I mean, Ike's already been u- working on Serpent OS for at least two years and he, still three years away. Right. So, I mean, and I understand making a distro, huge project, going to take some time. But I'm just saying they have these grand plans and they've been promising, like when when Budgie was part of Solus, they promised Budgie, like, was it 12? That was before I started using Linux full time. And that's been six years ago. <laughs> OK, they're still on 11. I mean Budgie 11. Yeah, uh, they're on Budgie Ten, right? All right, now. whatever it was, it does. It's still, it's still the point. It, yeah. They have grand plans. I don't trust them to fall through. Now, maybe they have a better plan this time to actually get there. I'm sure the developers behind it have very good intentions, and they're not like horrible people or anything. It doesn't feel like they've fallen out with each other, other than that one time that where they did fall out with each other. You know, <laughs> you know. So th- th- this is my problem. Like, you guys, we, we go and talk about how Manjaro has all of these like shady things going on in the background that happen all the time. You know, they have, you know, they have fights with their treasure and the accounting system is all wonky and all this stuff, right? Solus is kind of like that, only without the shady part. It just feels like they're dreamers that don't quite have a plan to get to the dream, if that makes sense, right? Hopefully that's a different case this time, but that's just the way that I feel. Their, their reputation with me just doesn't feel like they're, you know, ever going to get there yeah that's that's why i've been partial to but at the same time uh historically i've actually been been a solace user before uh i i love the distribution because you know i love it when you know they not only are they an opinion distribution to what we're like they're actually independent but the 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 amount of polish that they put into like not only like the gui interface of the system but like all the underlying tools and everything is absolutely fantastic so 
while technically really there is no real advantage to actually using Solus uh, compared to like another distribution because the repository is super small. I uh, the their their package repository only has something like eleven thousand packages, but at the same time with uh, snaps and flat packs, that's not nearly as much of an issue as it as it has been before. And uh, honestly, like uh, I know that you might look at it and just find something that's missing in a repository, but uh, they have alternatives that that work just as well. That said, uh, I am I am uh, taking over se- uh, several packages and, and packaging them for updates. Uh, Kate being being one of them, I'm also working on maintaining a Vorta backup, and I'm even helping them with uh, porting Calamari's. Uh, that way they can have an installer that uh, isn't uh, hard-coded to only allow EXT4 as the only file system. Mm. Yeah, but I, w- I would, have to, would have to interject on the Calamari's part, because today on my podcast, we discussed uh, what Calamari's actually is. Calamaris does not allow a lot of flexibility. That's why uh, on Zero Linux, we, we had to come up with, a, with an alternative. Uh, that Because a lot of people keep complaining that whenever they select the install alongside the Windows or alongside another distro, it won't allow them to select what file system they want because what? it's a limitation. Why that Calamaris. option even <laughs> still... Does anybody know why that option still exists? Some people still use it. That, like, that's why users complain. Like it, 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 it only works about thirty percent of the time, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, apparently, it works because a lot of users come to me and they tell me, "I want to install alongside X and Y uh, distro or Windows or whatever." Uh, it will only use the whatever is set by the, as the default file system. In my case, XFS, but they don't want XFS. They want to use ButterFS for. Uh, for a certain distro. Calamaris, for some reason, uh, does not allow that unless you do manual partitioning, which they don't really want to go into. Mm. They want something without lifting a finger. Calamaris is a very basic installer. It's for the uh, people who don't want to lift a finger. They just want to click next, 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 next and get it over with. That's why in uh, in the Zero Linux uh, world, we are uh, we are working on a on an alternative which is an NCurses install, which will allow give uh, users a complete freedom. Bypassing. I suppose you're actually using NCurses when uh, you, when uh, you've actually got some GUI tools that you've uh, used before. Well, uh, NCurses like, uh... because we're uh, we're more familiar, and the, the developer working on the project is uh, he he has he's working on two options: either NCurses or uh, completely rewrite it in C. Uh, it's uh, not even in Python because the Arch install. We don't want to. We don't want to uh, uh, go through the Arch install. We want to do something completely different, uh, give, giving users complete freedom as to uh, what they can install, how they can install compression. Uh, because uh, some reason, Calamaris doesn't offer compression when you select ButterFS. So, uh, can can I propose an alternative for you? Because what? I believe it is packaged in the a- in the AUR, what? the Yast. Ha. Oh, <laughs> Yast ha. is actually a really great installer. It's just got a got a slightly bad user experience to it, but you can just do about anything you possibly want to a system through just Yast. We're we're we're, we're working on our own thing because that okay. way we have full full control as uh, to how it works. But that's what I, I don't want to go completely derail the thing. I just wanted to say that. Opting for Calamares 
yes, it's a good thing, but also I'm working on Calamari's. That way, we don't have to write a new one. <laughs> well, also, I mean, Steve, you say that it's not customizable, but it's still way more customizable than like the Ubiquity installer or whatever Ubuntu. Well, yeah, yeah. it's definitely it's also way more flexible than the Solus installer because it only gives you one option to begin with. <laughs> if you guys have seen the new. Um, what was it, Anaconda installer for, from Fedora? That thing's even oh. more simple than any anything Ubuntu has. So, uh, anyways, um, Tyler, your first one. Oh, okay. My Welcome to the podcast, one. Tyler. Wake up, man. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, just, I, I, I honestly didn't didn't expect me to go next. I'm ra- I'm, I'm, I'm mixing fun. it up this week, man. You can't. I'm unpredictable. I'm like a fox. I don't know. What that it's, means. All it's all good. I got I, I got mine up. So. <laughs> Open ZFS. That's what we're going to talk about. Uh, this is oh, that file system I'm never going to use. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I I don't think I'm ever going to use it either. But I did kind of think it was kind of noteworthy that it's finally dropping Python two support. And uh, I I I honestly do kind of kind of enjoy hearing this from projects in general, no matter what the project is there. It is about freaking time that old pipe. I mean, especially Python two. You honestly shouldn't be taking really old Python three versions either, but definitely Python two. This is something that it's about time that projects move forward. Just, um, I don't know for the sake of like vulnerability, like mm-hmm. and and potential very bad shit happening to your users start using modern python 3 like especially if you're like making your own little scripts and stuff if you're using python 2 stop just stop use python 3 like yeah they should i'm going to try zfs one of these days cuz i'm kind of stuck on butterfs not stuck as in like bad thing. Like it's just where I'm at, but ZFS, everybody, uh, everybody says ZFS is good, but I don't know if it's, as, if it's good for like, um, on a root file system. From what I've heard, it works as a desktop. The syntax is like very different from like compared to other file systems you're used to. And, uh, like, uh, even disc labels are different. So like, you're not going to have a dev SDA. You're going to have like an, you're going to have like a slash device, uh, slash HD something or whatever, just yeah. like you wouldn't just like, a op- BSD syntax. Yeah. So it's a it's a little awkward. So uh personally I would never I w- I wouldn't take the time to set up ZFS on like your root file system uh on a desktop computer. But uh once you know you actually put something in that case that I sent you uh a few months back, you can you can play with ZFS for like a data storage there. Yeah, I'll I'll get there. Before we move on guys, can I you guys probably aren't watching the stream, but if you see if you guys visited Pharonix without an ad blocker in, in recent history, this thing is uh, yes, this is horrible. That's so bad. Like why I, do you I, think I why do you think there's times where it's just like before the show I will change everything away from the Pharonix links? Like, like, and we got, we got four of them this week, by the way. Um, and I, I, I'm, I'm using a new VM, so I haven't had a chance to install uBlock Origin because I'm not signing into anything yet. So I haven't done anything yet. And there's one, two, three, four, five, six ads just on this one portion of the scroll now, that I'm on. It's now, ridiculous. Matt, because, because, you know, we link to Pharonix an awful lot here, have you considered actually subscribing to Pharonix? Because the Pharonix subscription does get rid of all the ads, and it's only something like two bucks a month. We're giving them links. 
to their website. That's our support. People will visit oh, all right. th- there. That's that's yeah. that's how I'm supporting Pharonix. Also, just a few less ads, guys. That's ridiculous. That's horrible. That's, that's horrible. Anyways, uh, moving on. Um, who's Steve? Why don't you go next? I'll go next. And my neck, my uh, news article is very simple. My first one is Fedora 38 is out with GNOME 44. Quite a simple uh, news article. It doesn't go over too much. Uh, it's just have experienced it. I have installed it in a VM. Uh, I don't install, ever install Fedora on bare metal, but uh, it's a good experience. Uh, GNOME 44 has come a long way from uh, what I thought they were. Uh, they, well, m- further than I expected them to. Uh, and just just like this half-assed uh, thing in the uh, in the quick settings, where uh, for background apps you cannot act, act on them; you can just close them. That's it. And sometimes apps would show. I noticed that uh, while using it, sometimes you notice apps showing up twice, uh, like Discord, for for example. Sometimes yep. for no reason, it shows twice in the uh, in, in the background apps reason uh but i use the extensions that i uh i started testing some, some extensions functionality on gnome 44 because for uh as usual arch and gnome, and gnome it takes two months three months to get the latest gnome on arch uh so i started testing uh various extensions uh that i use on zero linux gnome edition uh gnome spin sorry uh they work. They work fine. And uh, thanks to my uh, fellow uh, friend, Gnome friend, uh, he showed me a few extensions that are really awesome. Uh, there's one called Top Hat. It's an amazing uh, resource monitor that uh, stays in your top panel. It's a clone of one that exists on Mac that's called iStats. Uh, but everything works. It just works. As long as you stick to Advaita. And we noticed... I noticed me and him and I noticed something about uh, the latest GNOME 44. Even the latest, uh, the the later versions of GNOME 43, which is uh, 43.4, I think, or 43.5, I don't remember. Uh, is whenever you start using themes, you notice a little bit. Uh, not everyone not- notices it, but the mo- most people with lower end, uh, not very low end but towards the low end uh, they would notice a lot of uh, heaviness to the system not lag not stuttering it's just they notice that the 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 whole desktop environment interacting with things is heavier than usual but as as soon as you undo everything and uninstall everything and you stick to advaita dark or light I don't know who's crazy enough to stick to light, but it just flies. Okay, Josh. Okay, I shouldn't have asked that question. <laughs> but uh, uh, it, it, it it flies. on as, as long as you stick to Advaita, it flies. Its performance is... Mwah. Just don't install themes. Well, themes, for some reason, they're not very well optimized or something. It causes 
heaviness and uh, I don't know how I should categorize it. I noticed it in the VM more because my VM is set to 16 gigabytes of RAM and uh, eight of my CPU cores. Are you sure that you're installing GTK4 themes or are you still using GTK4? No, GTK4. Uh, Orcus is one of them. Does it do the same uh, thing using um, gradients or whatever it's called? Uh, no, 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 GTK4 no, no. does actually support theming for non non libadwide applications. Uh, the only thing Gradients affects is libadwide applications. Right, that then, said, yeah. the only thing that said, if you're using a GNOME as your desktop operating system or desktop environment, I mean, you should install the AW ADW dash GTK3 package and just use that as like your GTK3 theme. Because yeah. that, that way, everything just looks like it's native integration except for Qt applications, which those have always looked like crap on GNOME anyway. Yeah. And, they, yeah. and they do, well, unlike KDE, who tries to make GTK applications look good on Plasma, GNOME don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, uh, o- overall, uh, another thing I loved about uh, Fedora 38, ah, you can enable the complete flatback. You have to opt in yeah. during installation. Uh, it's a button in the installer. It's yeah. called enable third-party uh, repositories, and that will yeah. not only enable Flathub, but it will enable RPM Fusion as well for your system. And it's good. It's good. And the, another thing uh, I love about... It's going to make uh, Silver Blue so much better. It, it, there is another thing that uh, they mentioned uh, in a post after that is that they're working on a new RPM uh, package manager, an upgrade to the RPM. Ba- oh yeah, they've, they've talked about that for about a year. They're re- they're rewriting it completely. Uh, they're rewriting it completely, and it apparently it's going to be way faster than mm-hmm. the current one. Uh, DNF five, yes, DNF five is fantastically fast. Uh, I was well, using it last week until like uh, this week happened. Uh, yeah, overall, Fedora 38 is perfect. It's like GNOME 44 is good. And uh, if I weren't an Arch simp or, or uh, a maintainer of an Arch-based distro, uh, I would use uh, Fedora 38. I wouldn't have a problem with it if, I, as long as I had an AMD card, not an NVIDIA card, because... Uh-huh. Okay, What's so... My story? I'm going to go ahead and move on to then mine. Um, I, by the way, this is say that I, I think I want to try Fedora 38, but we'll see what, how that goes. Anyways, um, moving on to mine. So I'm, I don't know why I always choose the Steam Deck um, articles, seeing as how I'm like the person least likely to use my Steam Deck in the world. But uh, anyways, Microsoft has been experimenting with a deck-friendly handheld mode for Windows. And the reason why I put this in here is just because I wanted to say, um, hands off or Steam Deck, Microsoft, you piece of shit. <laughs> um, well, uh, Steam Deck is actually not the first one of these devices that are like handheld, uh, uh, full PC gaming gaming systems. There's that. There's actually been a market for like uh, around eight years or so right now. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, you are completely right, but. Matt's point is also just as right. The only reason those devices have been around for a long time and they've they've had their own market. It's been a small market, but it's existed. And now they're trying to put their grubby little fucking hands on it because we got a Steam Deck. <laughs> yeah. Uh-uh. yeah. Uh, finally had a competition. Like like look, if Microsoft can give cannot give a shit about an entire like subset of the market for years there's no reason that now they should start oh like now well, we should make a handheld well, which, bring, okay. which brings so, which brings here's the, the difference here's the difference Zany. 
would you want to buy the Microsoft product or the product that Valve cre- that the, that Valve publishes that they advertise that the, should work with all of, all of your st- things in your Steam library, which you'll already have anyway, because you're gaming on a computer. So you you probably have Steam installed in your system anyway. More, it's going to well, I mean, no. I would rather take the stuff that comes from Steam for the Steam Deck. I mean, you you can play non-Steam games on the Steam Deck too. Yeah, no. Well, yes, you can. No, no, no. What I'm saying is like for like the actual like operating system and like stuff being optimized for the device, I would much rather have it come from the manufacturer than from Microsoft, who is in this like in this scenario completely a third party. I mean, if you have some of those yeah. older devices, this really all like as far as I can tell from this, it's more of like they're going to be focusing on making windows more accessible on those type of devices which is i mean that's good that's good but at the same time like i don't think microsoft is going to start making a competitor for the steam deck well no they're not there was another announcement that went along with this the amd's basically ramping up production of chips that were similar to what's in the steam deck and that's where this is going to come in is that the Sure, it's good. Probably they'll probably get it to a run on the Steam Deck, but nobody's. Gonna, I mean, nobody in their right mind is going to. I'm install. curious if they're going to uh, put that chip so that so that way it can fit in a normal socket. So maybe we can even build have like DIYs using the same exact chip. I doubt it, but I highly who, doubt it. Who, who, who that would be sick. Um, it, it would be amazing, and honestly, it won't increase like production costs by that much. Well, I mean, look like, at look at the Asus Ally. Look at the Asus Ally. Well, I mean, like with with the, with the actual chip, like you could build a really uh, expandable mini ITX, very very small form factor gaming PC. That would be that would be a lot of fun. I mean, you can still do that with like their desktop like G chips, but pipe dreams. I don't know. The guys. Steam Deck chips kind of thick. People it's, it's people are uh, people are uh, talking about the, the 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 Asus Ally that it's gonna be the competitor to the. Uh... The main competitor to the Steam Deck, as it might uh, cost a little bit more, but not by much. All right. Well, I don't know. I don't never heard of that, but I, I know ASUS, and I know that the little bit more thing is probably not going to be true. Ace, everything yep. ASUS is very, very expensive. Um, but it's not it's be, very expensive, but it does work. Well, I mean, yeah. those two things aren't always mutually exclusive. <laughs> If you can charge a lot of money for something that that really really works very well, just ask Apple. You know, <laughs> and yeah. the reason why the Steam Deck has been phenomenally successful is because you can buy one for three hundred and eighty dollars. You know, <laughs> that's the reason yep. why, right? And and the, that's one of the reasons why, like the GP, the GPD stuff hasn't taken off, and the there there's like six other Chinese companies out there that are making these type of devices. $2,000. And some of them are like, you know, twelve, yeah, $2,000 and, and stuff like that. And it, like, and part of well, that, those re- companies also, because, because it's a somewhat niche product to begin with, uh, they, they need to be able to like, be able to make enough money plus, back on the device. And actually plus they're putting in like actual problem. desktop Intel chips. Right. Yeah. That's part of the reason why. Plus they have to pay Microsoft, you know, two or $300 for the license or whatever it is these days for manufacturers. So they have some to, of them. So they put all that that stuff on there. So that's the reason why the Steam Deck was able to go cheap because you know, obviously they had their own chip. It's smaller. They're not putting a desktop chip in there. They're using Linux. They don't have to pay the licensing fees. You know, they did all their hardware manufacturing themselves. So you know, um, I I don't know. I'm, I'm mixed thoughts on the whole Microsoft thing that they're trying to come in and take over yet another 
um, aspect of the market. But they want they 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 they, they it's easier for them to take uh, an aspect of the market w- instead of creating the device themselves. Well, I mean, they, they've yeah. never made devices. Hardly any. I mean, people talk about the Surface being a, a successful hardware venture for Microsoft. It. It's very hard. few, very few people have bought a Surface. Um, yeah, okay, so it's a billion. It's using like professional business it's, enterprise. Environments. Yeah, they they sell it to an enterprise. That's the reason why it's considered a billion dollar, you know, uh, business for them. But regular normal consumers don't buy Surface laptops. They buy the four hundred dollar one you can get at Best Buy. You know, and, and then, you know that's well, I mean, just... norm, like normally most people that I know that have Surface lap surf, Surface like tablets or laptops, they've bought them like renewed or like you know refurbished <laughs> it's like the deal on the refurbished is really good so they're like eh, why not i'll go with it most people <laughs> don't look for it and pay a free oh yeah tablet like no i'll pass yeah somebody took uh, took what we talk about we talked about on my podcast too seriously uh <laughs> now there's a new saying instead of saying uh, i use arch by the way uh fuck around and find out (laughs) (laughs) all right moving on to the contact information you can find all of our contact information by going to the website which is at the linuxcast.org there you'll find previous episodes blog posts that when i post them which is at least usually once a week usually i post a blog post once a week obviously you can get those early if you support me on patreon at patreon.com slash the linuxcast where i release all my blog posts early along with an exclusive podcast every single week it's just me rambling about nonsense usually but you know whatever uh you can subscribe to the linuxcast at youtube.com slash the linuxcast tyler is on youtube which he he discovered he remembered this right he's actually yeah. managed him he, he he stumbled upon no oh, what, what's this i remember setting up a, a youtube channel i don't know what's this <laughs> upload button yeah yeah like man youtube changed the interface since the last time i was here <laughs> you guys are, <laughs> you guys remember when youtube was changing the interface like every other week it was it was fantastic it was great yep. um anyways, it, it was great I was posting videos back in that time too. Yeah, youtube.com slash ZanyoG. Make sure you head on over there and hit the subscribe button because I'm sure he's going to make some more videos very soon. Uh, Josh, you can find all of his contact information at 10leej.com slash stalker. Steve is on YouTube as well, youtube.com slash at zero Linux with an X, not a Z. You can also find all of the other links for Steve on the web on my website. Uh, you can contact us via email, email at the linuxcast.org. And all of this stuff, if you don't want to remember it, is at the linuxcast.org slash contact. Uh, Head on over there, and you'll find all of these links along with many, many more, including the Discord server, the store, which Zany runs, and many other things. So uh, that is the contact information, and it's the best one that I've ever done. So uh, moving on to the second half of the show where we're going to talk about some more news. So, um, Steve, why don't you take us to the next one? The uh, oh, uh, My next one is the new Flathub. Finally, it has, ar- it has risen. From the beta stages, it's a beautiful UI, and I logged in. I created an account. I logged in. I hope it can keep uh, track of all the applications that I uh, download from there so I can remember, because sometimes I forget. Uh, if it has that system, I'll be the happiest man around. Uh, but other than that, now you can filter uh, by... Uh, it has a better filter for applications by developer, by uh, uh, whatever, what have you, uh, paid uh, or donation-supported applications, uh, proprietary applications, uh, everything. It has a better filter. It's 
It uses a dark style by default. Thank it you. It uses the dark up. theme if your system theme is a dark theme. Yeah, you... like I was thinking, I'm looking at it right now. It is definitely a white theme. Um. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> I didn't um, notice that because I use a dark theme. So, like, uh, like as you should, as you should. But uh, other than that, it's well. At least they have a dark theme now. That's I'm using a light theme right now. Okay, boss. Uh, uh, other than that, <laughs> have they set up the donation stuff that they're working on yet, or is that still something that they're pushing on later? Do you know? Uh, this, uh, I think, it's still coming soon because uh, I haven't seen it. Uh, but it's. Beautiful. I, I, I can understand what I'm looking at now. Instead of, I, mean, uh, I went to flathub.org and it just looks like the old website, so maybe it just hasn't pushed out to my region yet. You have to control, like uh, click Control F5 on your keyboard to refresh <laughs> the cache. Um, refresh the I cache. haven't... Refresh the cache. It's the, oh, the, the, new, right. the new one's coming up for me as well, so um, it looks really nice. I'm, I, it's... it's Use flat hub. I, I'm a flat pack. Uh, 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 what do you call it? Zealot. Because I've been using them. Never had what any is issues. This? I just so I went to flat. I, I refresh and and then I see Adobe Reader is available as a flat pack. Yep. Adobe Reader is still a thing. Apparently, <laughs> like, like the only thing that'd be worse is having Adobe Air. You guys remember Adobe Air? I didn't even know <laughs> yeah. that they had a Linux build. Is this just like running through Wine or something? Uh, real question is, who, well, oh my god, look, click on it, dude, look at look at the UI. Oh my god. Beautiful, dude. The last, dude, this thing is so fresh, up uh, up to date. The last changes was, there's no change log, and it was 10 years ago. Dude, <laughs> beautiful. This is the type of up-to-date it's shit. It's running in an i386 container, so it's not even the 64-bit build. The the <laughs> screenshots themselves are from when uh, the, from the old uh, Ubuntu stuff, where they don't even use that theme anymore. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's the UI is great. I love it. It's so fun. <laughs> oh, they they're literally pulling it out of an old Ubuntu repository and packaging it up as a flat pack. So it is a native Linux build from like ten years ago. Well, <laughs> you know, the thing—the thing is, I mean, that's we make fun, but there are some people out there who still want this kind of stuff. Like they—they yeah. they won't use Ocular or whatever it is that LibreOffice comes with it. We use PDFs. What is it? Draw or whatever. You know, so they want the Adobe thing for whatever because they've been using it on on Windows for twenty years, and you know, so they have to have it. And this is the only way to get it on Linux. Honestly. I, I'm, I'm astonished that there was ever a Linux build I mean, of it, to be honest to be with fair, you. If this thing actually launches on, on your modern Linux system, on, like, say, even a Wayland session, because this was before Wayland was even a thing, uh, that's just proof that that the Flatpak containerization uh, actually works. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's be honest. This opening on a modern system shouldn't happen. Like, it just... It, it probably shouldn't, because, you know, we, we have alternatives today. But it, it's pretty cool that we can do that. Yeah. Uh, to 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 reply to Matt, uh, when you click on Dolphin, there's install and there's donate. You, uh, you can oh, so you can donate. The developer probably has to um, yeah. sign up for it. Oh yeah the the yeah. Dino the Dino thing for the Telegram yeah. or whatever the XMPP yeah, has, has a donate okay, thing. So 
Okay, I cool. think it's just something that they have to put into like the flat pack manifest file when they go to publish it. Yeah, publish well, it. then they probably have to have, they probably have to sign up for like Stripe or something for payments or something like because they'd have to have a way to accept uh, them. Because because it shows for me in euros for for, for whatever reason. because uh, you're close to Europe. I don't. <laughs> you're you're Europe adjacent. I don't know. All right, so let's go ahead and. Uh, but it links directly to KDE. When you click donate, it won't goes to KDE.org. Because oh, that's uh, the publisher of the... Yeah, uh, so it doesn't go Dolphin. through an internal thing from Flathub. Just links okay. to, to the KDE. Oh, it, 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 it links that's to it. probably like the best way that they could do it, too. Well, I don't... You, do you think so? Because the... I, the problem then there is that if you do, you want to donate to several different projects, each one you're going to have to have a sign up of some kind in order to you know give the you know if you just had a flat hub account that had access to your PayPal or whatever, and then you could but just download flat, it that way. Flat hub will then have to actually create like a will actually have to hook into like a cash management system, which none of those are open source, by the way. Well, True. Because I doubt that they're going to be accepting cryptocurrencies through Flathub anytime soon. I'm just I'm just but, saying that from a user and then, perspective. And then on top of that, then they have to deal with like uh, legal issues with da with data protections, as well as making sure that certain securities are put in place. That, because you know you want to make sure that your uh, better, transactions no, no, are secure. Like, like like Josh put it, it's the, it's the best way they or it, it really is like the best way that they could do it for an open source project. Otherwise, mm. because they're going to be putting a lot of work into. Well, figuring I, I'm out how sure to, from a default. All right, so let me let me say this. I'm sure from a development perspective, that's exactly 100 percent true. From a user perspective, I'm not sure if it's true. Because because I mean, for, for the end user, it's probably not the best case scenario. But this is probably like the best compromise yeah. that they could come up with. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I I don't know. It could I could see both arguments there. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the next one. Um, Josh, why don't you go next? Oh, okay. So for you, uh holdouts out there that are still using CentOS and uh, you, you rebase from CentOS 6 to CentOS 7 because CentOS 7 is going to be going for a long while. Well, uh, CentOS put out a reminder to everybody that uh, CentOS 7 is going end of life next June in 2024. And uh, this is important because uh, if you don't already have your migration plan, you should put it in now. <laughs> because uh, the, the 2024 date has been known for about six years now. Well, yeah. Uh, also, CentOS Stream 8 is going to be going end of life, which you're probably not using CentOS Stream 8 in production anyway, so I don't think that's a very big deal. Uh, that said, uh, if you're on CentOS, uh, you, there are alternative uh, repositories you can sign up for, which are paid access for security updates, so like, stuff like TuxCare. Uh, you can also transition from CentOS over to like Rocky or, or Alma Linux if you still want to continue uh, refusing to pay for Red Hat, or you can just upgrade to Red Hat itself. I, a lot of people went to Rocky and Alma, right? When this happened, a lot of people did. That said, uh, the biggest issue that I have with a lot of those people is that a lot of those people are really just spent, uh, have historically just used uh, CentOS because they didn't want to pay for Red Hat. And and that's literally the only reason why they use CentOS. Well, that, and, uh, it, they're doing this. They're it, doing it, this in like uh, billion dollar enterprises. Well, I mean, a lot of the I'm sure there are a lot of big ones, but a lot a lot of the ones that I've heard about are smaller shops that didn't want to pay for. A Red Hat license and support because they didn't need it, right? If if you yeah. if you run ten machines, well, nowadays, but the, you the, have the developer scripture on Red Hat that gives you access to Red Hat for free up to sixteen devices. Yeah, that 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 wasn't the truth. That wasn't true when they first made this announcement. No. So that, that's still fairly new. I think so. if you have a small business and you're 
you're using CentOS or Alm or whatever to get away with not paying paying for like Red Hat. To me, I think that makes sense. It's just when you get into which, like, Josh is not lying. Like, there is a lot of, like, really, like, surprisingly big companies that are are using it just to get away with not paying for it. And they could totally afford it and probably do need it. Just There's there's a certain plastic water bottle manufacturer that's, like, less than 20 miles away from my house that only pay for one a single Red Hat server, which downloads the repository, and then they sh- and then they serve it to 300 plus other servers for the package updates. So they are pirating Red Hat. <laughs> just to play devil's advocate, just for a second, and I'm 100 percent positive you guys are right, but some, at least some of the corporations, likely maybe have in-house support, and they don't need Red Hat support. You know, maybe that's the reason why they they, they would choose to use something different but i'm that's probably a minuscule just made up in my mind thing and you guys are probably right (laughs) so anyways um moving on to you know i don't think i've ever actually tried um red hat linux i have a like old i have a book that i'm looking at right now the red hat linux 7.3 bible it's sitting over there on my bookshelf i think it still has the cds in it (laughs) pretty sure it it probably does and uh, red hat 7 is still supported and, and that up to which version now? <laughs> and, and that and that book has got to be twenty years old. It's not twenty years old, right? Or or no? Oh, you're not talking about you're talking about Red Hat, not not, not Red Rel, Hat Enterprise. No. This is Red Hat okay. Linux. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's a difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is this was before Rel. Um, this was before, uh, I this think was before DVDs. <laughs> uh, just to let you know, when you go to install that, uh, just make sure that you toggle the redneck and the pirate language options. I don't think that I have an optical drive around where I could actually install it. I'm just do. Do I need to send you an optical drive? No, I do not need an optical. Oh, well, drive. I, I, I got like thirty of them. I like. Uh, well, I got like could, thirty. Could of you them. please? Got... Could you please send me a tape deck, please? <laughs> uh, I have a tape deck too. I, I have a I have a USB have a tape deck USB one. I'll drive it up to you, man. <laughs> I have I have a, a tape deck that I can plug into a computer one, okay? for a parallel port. I'll port. have like five. <laughs> <laughs> like I'll I'll drop one off in person, and you'll get four more in the mail. It'll be perfect. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be great. I still have no use for. It. I'd actually have more use for a floppy drive because I actually have floppy disks around. I don't. I mean, I I have DVDs here, but they're all of crap all right so just to prove my point at the beginning that we never do tangent i'm going to do a tangent here um <laughs> you guys so there used to be a plethora for, for you kids out there we used to have these um big box stores beyond just best buy you know there was um there was comp usa and computer city and uh, circus city and stuff right we had the, i mean they were like a dime a dozen in like the early 2000s right when computing was it, becoming kind of like the um oh what is it the um oh that store that sold movies you know that ancient people talk oh yeah blockbuster is it kind of like that blockbuster like still a thing in alaska yeah there's still like Dude, one <laughs> i know there's one <laughs> there's one anyways so there was this place called comp usa it was basically like circuit city but it was when you had to buy this was before you know, people had the internet, but it was all dial-up for the most part. But anyways, and we had just got a computer for the first time. It was like early 2000. And we would go in there, and we'd buy a whole bunch of really weird, like, card-making Hallmarks, 
software, right? It, it come on like 25 discs because half of them was like clip art. It was hilarious. And the reason why we do that because they keep sending us these things. Like if you if you went in there, you'd get a you'd get a mail-in rebate where you could get it for free. And we just went in there over and over again and bought all of this really stupid re- random software. Like Dragon Naturally Speaking was one. That's one of those that I remember. Like Dragon Naturally Speaking, we got it for free. Even it was like 170 dollars. We have like a mail-in rebate. It was. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. Oh, I remember used, back in the day, I, I would the walk into way. a... Yeah. I, I remember go, walking into the Circuit City before, like, way back in the day, and looking at OpenSUSE DVDs, because I was thinking about buying it for 30 bucks. And uh, they, they even said on the package itself that you could uh, send proof of purchase back to, back to SUSE, and uh, they would refund your entire purchase for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You guys did it the hard way. I just w- I I would just walk into a uh, grocery store where they had the magazines. Yep. And I would I would walk back and forth, face back and forth, and then when it gets crowded, I just wipe the CDs and go home. Yeah, the, the magazines used to have uh D- like um DVDs and CDs and stuff of of Linux distributions and other and other things too in the more general technology t- magazines stuff. Yeah, I got. I got Duke Nukem 3D full version. <laughs> the, 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 because the, 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 it wasn't the, a magazine. The teenagers are like, what a, awesome what's a magazine, man? <laughs> what's a magazine, bro? I didn't care about the magazine. What, what would I read? I just swipe the CD and go home. And nobody would would be the wiser. They'd throw the magazine. The, the store would throw the magazine, replace it with a new one with a CD. Chat's talking about Radio Shack. Radio <laughs> Shack went real downhill in like the last 10 years of its life. Well, like technically, real downhill. technically it's still what around. It's years? owned by the, the Winklevoss twins now. Yeah, it's owned by the Winklevoss, and now they're they're basically just like an Amazon alternative on the internet. Well, and, and and they're they're making their own NFTs and crypto. So, yeah, <laughs> watch out, Radio Shack Wait, is back. Radio Shack sells NFTs. Get out. NFTs and crypto. Yeah, because yeah, the Wink- that's what the Winklevoss twins are in- into now is the the crypto stuff. Uh, <laughs> we still have Radio Shack. We still have Radio Shack here, and they're uh, they're the best place to go to to get vintage uh, audio video equipment. Yeah, you can go out there get your RCA cables, man. Where else are you gonna get them? <laughs> All right, exactly. <laughs> we, we we went off went off the rails there just a tad. <laughs> that was my fault. <laughs> Anyways, Josh, your last one. My last one. I thought that was my last one. Who did KDE Connect? Oh, was that that was me? Who did Google then? The Google one. Nobody. Google delivers secure. I opened this link for some reason. Somebody did Google. <laughs> Google, Google. All right. I'm going to the show notes. You guys can't can't fool me. Who did this one? This oh, that's Tyler. Tyler. Uh, Tyler's the one with the Google story. Tyler, own up, man. <laughs> He's like, Sorry, I, I'm, um, I'm here waving at you, you dumbass. <laughs> what, what happened? What look? What happened was uh, Audacity crash. So there's a little bit of a gap in my recording. Gonna have um, to use the damn o- OBS recording again. Darn. <laughs> Three weeks in a I'm row. I don't know what happened. It just crashed. Um, I'm telling sorry. you, man, the, the Audacity package on Arch Linux is horrible. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if mine crashed too. To be honest with you. Yeah. Um. I might. I might have to, you know, finally take the advice that I gave to Steve, and then will not take myself and just start using Ocean Audio. <laughs> Okay. Use the gnome sound recorder. Just, just use whatever it is you used when you were using um, OpenBSD. Okay, I'm gonna stop you all. I'm gonna stop you all. Just use SoundForge via uh, uh, inside Wine and get it over with. Oh, there you go. There you I'd go. rather use K Wave. 
Like, oh, well, we're just going to continue to name more obscure version ways of recording audio. <laughs> All right, Tyler, your right, last so one. Now that I'm remember secure packages that you know work and don't crash. Google's trying to get in the business of delivering secure and open source packages. Um, so, as we all know, um, you trust Google. Uh, we oh, all trust definitely. Google. And so what Google's going to do is they're, they're doing the assured OSS service. And, you know, here's a little quote. Threat actors regularly attempt to compromise the source code and source repos for OSS projects by building assured OSS packages from a Google secured and managed mirror rather than directly off the web. Google is able to take responsibility for securing the source code repo securing end-to-end build packaging and deploy the so the integrity of the source code is maintained even if it or its repo has been compromised i just have to say i just have to say javascript no no i just have to say that what made that quote best was the accent i'm just (laughs) i I was going to say what happened what what happened to our little tyler uh some southern guy just took it over uh, okay he took uh, took over his place he's he's from tennessee that's how he's actually supposed to sound (laughs) (laughs) oh all right what i like about this little piece of news here is I just think it's absolutely fantastic and we definitely should give up it just say you know what we can't trust each other but what we can trust is Google I think I think it's good that we're now finally hitting this point and I'm also glad that Google now believes that this that we are ready for this where so in the chat, I posted a link of every single package in uh, their repository. It looks like it's all Java and Python right now. It's going to be, yeah, here's, here's the, re- the real thing about all this, guys, is you know what we really, really need? Another repository. Another pa- yeah, you know, like I'm, I'm sure there's a yeah. package manager that goes along with it somewhere along the line because you're gonna have to install uh, this stuff, right? So that's something, ex- something canonical was right. There should only be one source of truth for all your packages. They could have just used Snap. They should have just given up, bought Canonical like, you know, Microsoft has been planning to for 20 years, as we've been hearing, you know, as everybody's been predicting, you know, and and just then they could have had Snaps. Um. <laughs> I honestly don't know if the UK would allow Microsoft to buy Canonical. Probably not Google either, I, to be honest I with you. I could totally see it happening. I could totally. I, I could see it happening if Canonical wasn't a UK-based company. Well, why would that... I want the canonical. Regulations and stuff, Give probably. me the canonical. Uh, can, I eat. Uh, the UK is literally the reason why uh, Microsoft hasn't actually bought uh, Blizzard, Blizzard and Activision yet. Isn't it also the reason why the ARM deal didn't go through with NVIDIA, yeah, right? Yeah, it's also... Yeah. Um, yeah, so it, it, it's, it's... It's not the EU that's preventing them. It's the UK. Hey, we knew, we knew those Brits were good for something. Other than you know, <laughs> the, British, uh, the British are good for something. Something not good. British are good for something. Beside, when you don't want to talk about Brexit. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the last oh. one. KDE Connect 2.0 has is planning for big improvements. So, 
Uh, I will be 100% honest with you guys that this link was from last week and I don't remember what the big improvements were. <laughs> so, I, will tell you, I, will tell you, I will tell you one thing about this KDE Connect that you talk of. Uh, this KDE Connect you talk of, if they fix uh, the issue where you can, uh, I cannot even transfer files bigger than 50 megabytes to my the iPhone that I have in the pocket, uh, I don't care about this update, but if they fix it, then I care. Okay, I, I okay, that accent so, not as successful uh, as the, as the uh, southern accent. I'm just going to point. If you, <laughs> you want to know, if you want to know some of the improvements currently, how K, KDE Connect uh, finds like other KDE, KDE Connect uh, services is through a uh, UDP UDP broadcast, uh, which is uh, inherently not exactly secure. And they're changing to a multicast DNS method instead. So uh, that's probably going to be like their biggest change. And they're just doing that in the name of security. Uh, they're also sw switching away from uh, from TLS version 1 to a more modern version of TLS. <laughs> and uh, that, they, If that fixes the problem hmm. I'd be having, is that big okay? Uh, your issue is iPhone related. <laughs> then I don't care. Because on then my Android phone, on my Android phone, I can I uh, rec I can send over 1.4 gigab gigabyte uh, rec video recordings that I've accidentally made. Then I don't be caring about this. Accidentally made by uh, you know because uh, my phone can apparently unlock itself when it's sitting in my pocket, and I can pocket record rather than pocket dial. <laughs> so basically, you're telling Samsung me logic. You're telling me that I don't got to be caring about this uh, update. So, okay, bye-bye. <laughs> well, maybe you should just shouldn't use an iPhone. Uh, hey, no, me iPhone, me iPhone use because me work for Apple. I don't know where my... I don't work for Apple, but I got an iPhone. Man, you can't be discriminating against us. I, I will you. discriminate against you because uh, the, the reason why your KDE Connect... Uh, well, KDE anything is so terrible is because of iPhone. Well, it's Apple. It's Apple restrictions, not KDE deciding that this is what you yeah, can and do. You know it's who, just like all no. Apple allows you to do. Do, do you know uh, who makes the iPhone? Apple. So it is an iPhone. It is an iPhone issue. I use I use I use KDE Connect to do one simple thing. To, yeah. Uh, uh, restart PipeWire. Wait. On my phone. What? Restart. Have I have a command on my phone in KDE Connect? Thanks to Teddy on my server, he taught me how to do that. Yeah, you can uh, have KDE Connect uh, run run commands. Run commands. So I I run the uh, restart user uh, uh, pipewire whatever whatever service uh, because sometimes it decides uh, to stop working and turn my microphone into an output. But wait, uh, hold on, hold on. So you can have your phone send commands yeah. to your computer. Yeah. So you can yeah. make you could use KDE Connect to like essentially make your yes. computer like a Tesla. I, like, I turn know? my computer on with with KDE Connect. Dude, I turn my no, I turn my computer on with the Pulseway because I have a Pulseway subscription. I cannot but, believe my podcast has devolved into talking about Apple products. Again, no, we're not talking but, about Apple products. I'm not talking about an Apple product. Whatsoever. We're talking about KDE Connect here, Matt. Uh, you can uh, Android or Apple. You can. Uh, uh, Add commands in KDE Connect on your phone that you, with a click 
uh, with a press of that command, it will it push that command to your computer with a and run it. Conversation about Apple products. I'm just saying. <laughs> because me, Apple product owner, what do I do? Is there some kind of something in your contract that says every time you talk about Apple, you have to do it in a in a accent? Yes, Not accent is my is my Lebanese accent. You turn me into my pure self. Well, I, I'm glad I could I could help you find your true self, Steve. I'm I'm very happy. I should definitely take over for Doctor Phil. I'm just <laughs> I'm just saying if, if I have the power to help you find your inner self, you you know just sit there and breathe in, breathe out. All right, all right. Just to be on uh, on the serious uh, on a serious note, it's really practical. Be it you have an Android or an Apple device, you can just put commands. The most useful command is uh, uh, to two most useful commands, is updating my system while I'm sitting in a chair and I don't want to bother to lean forward to the keyboard. I just use my phone, run the update command, or I uh, I have an issue with uh, uh, Pipewire. Click that command. It will send it to, to the system and restart Pipewire. I will admit... Look, I don't want to be combative at all, but like I kind of I kind of also got to be... like. What is wrong with y'all? Like y'all have talked about KDE Connect before, but never once brought up this like kick-ass bomb feature that like I just discovered it uh, like a short while ago because of Teddy on my server. He does everything for via KDE Connect. Uh, so let's see. I got KDE Connect on my phone here, and I can sync my clipboard between my computer and my phone. I can share and receive files from my phone to my computer, or my send, computer to my phone. Uh, I can come in. I, I can. I have a remote input where it's just like i can control my computer's mouse and even my keyboard with with my phone uh of course i can run commands so i can turn turn on turn off my computer from sleep of course not actual power uh and uh you know i've i've even got like a little slideshow button for if i'm like doing a presentation uh all kinds of stuff so if you can think about like so essentially what happens is you start using KDE Connect, you find out all these glorious features, and then when you talk about it, you're like, yeah, you can transfer files. And then you're like, these poor peasants, they'll never use it. They'll never find out. Like, that's essentially what happens, yeah. right? Uh, that said, uh, some of the commands, like if you wanted to like ex uh, execute anything with like root access, you might need to set up like a PAM authorization module. So so that's a little bit uh, fun, no, no fun root, there if no you want root, to dig into no root, it. No, no but, root command. I mean, you're just, just restarting a, you're just restarting a user service. But the, some of the stuff I'm doing, I had to write a PAM module for. Uh, you, you. Oh, that's but, so cool. Yeah, it's really neat. Uh, uh, thank it, you, Teddy, I guess. Uh, I works didn't even on know that. It works on Windows, too, because KD Connect is on Windows. It's in the Microsoft yeah. and, Store. And honestly... Uh, if you have multiple devices with KDE Connect, you get them. You can get them all to interact with each other, not just necessarily with like phone to computer, but you can have phone to phone, computer to computer, and and stuff like that too. It's actually a really cool application. And so how would you go about using to, it to if you don't it. use KDE or GNOME? If you use like a window manager, you can install it. There's it. It just shows up as an as an application in your system and in your system menu. You, uh, it you can also run it in your system tray. So you'd have to set it up as like a startup application or something like that, right? Yeah. Is there and, like a daemon uh, the or something that you run or is this yeah. this thing? It, it, on Arch Linux, it's literally called KDE Connect-Applet. Okay. I'll have to get... I have tried KDE <laughs> Connect before, but I always just used it when I used KDE and not used it when I used a window manager, yeah. so... Uh, that said, I'm still working on like figuring out how to use hook uh, KDE Connect with like uh, OBS WebSockets. So that way I don't have to use anything like OBS Blade to control it because, you know, I... I 
I don't want to have like two applications to control one computer. You know, I just want to use one application, but I'm I'm working on it. And and there's a KDE Connect flatback. Yeah, I love. I love how right before this conversation started, like there were comments in chat about how like this is the least informative podcast ever, and now and everybody's like, mind yeah. is being blown. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everyone's like, wait. I, I just want to say that that really hurt my feelings. I'm just saying my my feelings were genuinely genuinely hurt that they don't consider this podcast where it's just four dudes talking about random shit on the internet informative. I mean, what the, are we, do we look like CNN to you or Fox news or whatever the hell it is you want? Like they're only like two weeks old. Well, uh, you see, I'm I'm trying to do this thing where it's like, I'm actually researching the links before you guys post them. But the, you know, some of you guys post your, your links like five minutes before the show starts. So I'm sitting here reading some of the articles. No, that's bullshit. (laughs) That's bullshit. That's never happened. I don't think that's ever happened. You need to take that shit back. Okay. Tyler definitely has never done that. I have never definitely done that. Do I need a full commit history? No. It's definitely <laughs> never happened before. And, and also, the one time that I was really, really early with filling out my show notes, I screwed up Josh because he was in the middle of changing the show notes, and I published mine. This is the, the, <laughs> like, the, the worst <laughs> thing is when someone's trying to push and pull at the exact same time. <laughs> like, oh, hold, hold on a second, guys. We all have to rebase to the original and start over again. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is why I honestly think that for our show notes, we just do everything through merge requests rather than, you know, pushing and pulling directly from the main repository, but uh, that's a debate for another time. Yeah, it's probably a good yeah. idea. Um, I thought you were going to suggest Google Docs. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Thank God. That's even more cancer, because the, the, next the, thing you know, I'm just going to be playing around with the mouse cursor on Google Docs just to the, screw everybody up. The hilarious thing is that when I first started the podcast and had a co-host, which was Martin, um, we used Google Docs. Like We, we used the Google <laughs> Sheet to do it. Um, that was before. That was before I knew how to use Git. By the way, <laughs> so that's how long the podcast was going on. All right. Anyways, that's it. So, uh, the beginning of the podcast was very, you know, news centric. We did not have, you know, it was was not acrimonious. And then towards the end, we got very feisty. It was good. Um, You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome i'm just gonna say it was no it was good it was, we, we got some life in us towards the end it was good um anyways moving on to the thingies of the week which by the way the 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 show notes t- template still says apps of the week by the way and i'm never oh, changing it right no, now don't change it it's tradition it's got to say uh, if, you, if you change it i'm i'm banning you by the way <laughs> oh i was just gonna rename it to uh tingly's of the week tingly's of the night you can yeah. spell it <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the the last ep- uh, the last part of the show that we do every week is called Thingies of the Week. We could have called it anything, Apps of the Week, which is what we originally called it. Uh, you know, Tips of the Week, Tricks of the Week, things like that. But those were all trademarked and taken by other uh, people who aren't happy to share their things with us. So, anyways... Uh, I'm going to go first this, this week because I have two and I want to talk about them real quick is that I've been finally investing myself in learning how to use SSH. It's been I'm, obviously I'm way behind the curve. It's been around for 35 years or some nonsense like that. It's been around for a very long time. Um, but I, I've just been trying to learn how to do new things, and SSH is one of them. So I've discovered uh, two things. One, I, uh, SSHFS is a thing I made a video on. Yes, it's abandoned. Yes, there are alternatives that are still in maintenance. I don't need to hear about them. SSHFS works for now, uh, and it's really good if you don't mind that it's abandoned and you just 
want something that works right now, it's fine. Uh, and it's really good. Basically what it does is it allows you to mount a remote file system from like a VM or another computer onto your machine and you have full access to whatever that directory that you mounted on. And it's really, really good. Now, like I said, there are alternatives that are still maintained, so you can look those up if you want. The other one... Uh, also, if you use like a modern file file manager, you know, like uh, Crusader, which I know you're a big fan of, uh, in, in uh, you know, the, pa- the path yes, bar, I know. you can type I... in SH colon slash slash and then... I'm and aware, then Josh. Thank like you for that. You're, you're like, welcome. You, you are the guy in my comment section. Like, there's 30 of you guys. Like, oh, Matt, there's this other be- way better o- option for you. <laughs> it's fantastic. I'm not going to say that it's better. I'm just saying, uh, because, if you want to uh, find it, let me put it this way. If you want to do it in the terminal, SSHFS is fantastic. Give it a try. You don't have to. You can do what Josh says. Don't hijack my shit, Josh. Jesus. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the, the other one is SCP. Basically, what SCP allows you to do is over SSH is transfer specific files or, or, or um, directories between host and client. So if you wanted to... For example, what I did personally was I didn't feel like Git cloning the most recent push of my uh, Git repository to one of my VMs. So I just used SCP to transfer my repository that I have on my local machine to the client VM machine. And I used SCP to do it. The The syntax is very, very simple. It's just basically an SSH command, but with SCP at the beginning. Uh, just one tip, if you do use SCP and you're transferring a directory, just remember the dash R flag because it's the same thing as like cop cp or something like that you have to do the recursive uh flag in order to do it so uh, scp is really good and it's the one actually the one that i've been using the most because it's actually i i found that i don't actually need to have the entire file system mounted on my machine i just wanted to transfer you know specific files and it's just easier to transfer them when i need them and have them in both places um, yeah, SCP works, and SCP is actually really, really quick. Uh, that said, if you if you need like a reliable connection, like say you're connected through things over like a cellular network, you could uh, rsync works as a as an almost literal drop in replacement. Okay, um, Steve, your thingies of the week. <laughs> my thingy, my thingy of the week is a game called uh, Asterix Obelix Buffetitus. Uh, Asterix a... and and Oblix slap them all. Yeah, well, <laughs> for translation. Uh, yeah, uh, but I prefer to mention the original title because it's uh, based on a comic that I still read to this day. It's still alive to this day from my childhood when I was like, uh, what, three? Uh, I still read that comic book. It has shaped me into who I am today. Uh, and the art in the game is comic art. It's the exact same art used to draw the comic book. like. Ah, it's so refreshing to go back to my childhood. And that's what I'll be playing on my trip uh, to Serbia uh, on the Steam Deck. Uh, but yeah, I immediately switched the audio track uh, to the original French. Because if I hear Asterix and Obelix uh, speak any other language than French, I would shoot myself. Uh, Seems a I, little, I mean, over the top, but yeah, I mean, you do you, bro. <laughs> it's, that's how much I love it. It's how much I am true to this, uh, to, to this comic uh, series. And it's so much fun. It's just a, uh, it's like a Streets of Rage kind of thing. But since the, the whole story, uh, uh, baseline of this story is Obelix like, uh, loving to kick Roman's ass, uh, uh, Roman ass, so uh, it's like constant battling Romans and drinking the potion and then hand drawn art assets. 
Yeah, hand drawn. Uh, that's, that's what I love about it. They put some effort into this. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's yeah, a I wonderful mean, the game. Gameplay looks very good. It's looks looks like a really and good I, game. Yeah, I got it as a GOG game, uh, and uh, it's installed on my Steam Deck that way. And but my that's a big problem for me because every time there's a major update on the Steam Deck, it undoes all my settings. I have to redo everything. Hmm. With that on the side, uh, it's a wonderful game. I recommend it to all. People who uh, know Asterix and Obelix, even people who don't know it, it's an enjoyable game. It's just lapping Roman ass, basically. Mm. Uh, and it's uh, super fun and super easy to finish. I finished it in like uh, what, six hours. Sounds uh, cool. Enjoy. Okay, Tyler, your thingy of the week. Uh, mine, I think I've talked about this before on the channel, but um, or on the podcast, but it's still a really cool um endeavor and a testament to like crowdsourcing um so there's a show called the chosen um it's uh it's a christian show uh they're in season four now uh like it's kind of the point now where like each episode is between like three and a half and like six million dollars per episode and it's completely crowdfunded and uh they're i think they're just like ha about halfway uh through funding episode 4 of season 4 um but it's a crowdfunded show and they've i mean it's really interesting cuz they're not like for for a time they were put on like Amazon Prime and other places and you might be able to find it uh like the first couple of seasons um on other streaming networks but they created and developed their own streaming platform. They built their own payment processor. Like they did a lot of upfront development work on being outside of the system and being able to crowdfund and, you know, just not having to be part of the, like, I guess the Hollywood system. Um, and so it's just a, it's all, it's an all around interesting project. I mean, like for obvious reasons, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people out there who aren't interested in the show, but at the same time, if you, if, if you're ever interested in like, you know, developing something really complex and you need an inspiring, like an inspiration to know that it could be done, that's one, like. It turns out that making films is actually really, really hard because if you're an independent filmmaker and uh, you actually make a film, just trying to even get get it like marketed is actually just a huge, huge endeavor. So uh, to see a company like this just come out of nowhere, I mean, I'm I'm sure that somebody could uh, you know mention something say about uh, like Jesus dollars going into this, but the the fact that the you know they're they're able to produce these four to six million dollar episodes. And uh, just looking at the previews, it looks like it's pretty well recorded too. So uh, obviously, obviously, shot. like the camera work looks like it's actually really good. And then I don't, I haven't watched the show, so I don't know, so I can't really judge anything on like the editing. But it looks like a pretty decent production. Well, uh, as someone who has watched the show, I can tell you the editing is phenomenal, and the actors are surprisingly good. Like surprisingly good, especially because with it being crowdfunded. Uh, like I, I'm pretty sure you don't always get the best people when you crowdfund. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> like, 
high school drama very, students usually is with this yeah, yeah like, that's what it, honestly when i first watched the first episode like i was just like i was more interested in it because it was completely crowdfunded i was like oh like i wanted to see the quality and when i watched the first episode i totally expected it to be like college kids like you know just not that good it was it's surprisingly good from episode one through like it's it's pretty good cool yep all right josh your thingy of the week my thing of the week is something we already talked about. Just it should be say, really quick. <laughs> it should be really quick. It's KDE Connect. <laughs> so uh, I actually put this up as my pick pick for last week, and then the show got canceled, and then I forgot to update it for this week. But anyways, uh, the, the the big story behind KDE Connect with me was because I've actually only been like a very recent convert in like the last two weeks to it myself, was that my, my venerable phone here, because, you know, I like to pocket record things, had... Uh, started giving me errors for you know being no available space in my file system so I'm, I'm sitting here i'm plugging my phone into the usb port to see if i can grab stuff off of there well thankfully android does a very good job of isolation so i couldn't pull off my camera feed into uh through mtp uh the only way i could do that is to sync everything through google drive and then pull everything down from google drive and I'm like that's not that's not going to happen because uh, I, I'm trying to actively avoid using Google Drive and the free tier is not big enough for like all the content that's on my phone that I want to pull or off of it. Literally anything. So, like It's not even big enough for yeah. email. So thankfully, I'm just sitting here scrolling through the, like, the applications, mostly just looking for stuff to delete. That way it can make some room on the phone. But I see KDE Connect is there. So uh, uh, I install KDE Connect and I set up and I'm like, I know that this can transfer files, but how reliable is it? I moved 128 gigabytes worth of files off of my phone onto my computer, and it was actually maxing out the Wi-Fi my Wi-Fi antenna because uh, my Wi-Fi antenna only serves 100 megabit. <laughs> so it so I was I was throttled through my Wi-Fi because I don't care about my Wi-Fi performance. I just want it to work, <laughs> and uh, it, well, it worked really reliably, and it stayed consistent at the between 95 to 100 megabit. The entire time. And also, uh, I was going to say, your internet is not like, you know, it's not like you're well, getting gigabit. I, I, was, I, was, I was transferring this over the local network. Not, not yeah, no, no. But, but I mean, like, in trying to justify a really expensive, really nice router, you're you're not getting the fastest internet, so it's not exactly like a well, necessary. Well, grade, my so. wired connection between my devices, uh, uh, some of my devices yeah. are, 10, are actually 10 gig. Other devices are still on gigabit because, you know, gigabit's cheap. But, uh, yeah. you know, like when it comes down to wire wireless performance, what am I connecting to Wi-Fi? My phone, my tablet, a laptop. No, it, it's not and, something that I particularly care about that much. <laughs> and, and I mean, honestly, most people don't have a home lab and are transferring yeah. terabytes between devices. <laughs> You know, uh, that said, uh, I do see somebody mentioning sync thing. Uh, that that is also a great option if you want like a consistent sync. But I was actually just looking to move files off of my device and get rid of them. Like I'm time. not looking to like sync data between all my devices to keep them in sync, which yeah. is something that sync thing is amazing for. Sync thing is great if you want to set it up and leave it and actually have it running all the time. Whereas, yep, yep. yeah. I, Whereas I, I was just looking for just like a single transfer. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> just interesting. The interesting. Control last. Go ahead, Steve. Uh, interesting video by TechHut. Chat GPT in your Linux terminal. Yeah, nobody. Oh man. We, all right. So I have a Docker container that I can use to interact with Chat GPT. Guys, next week, no news. We're going to talk about AI. Okay. 
I Ooh, have word. Okay. so many thoughts. I've about, been delving quite a bit into AI lately. I have, I I have a feeling that I may be the only negative one on the entire podcast. You guys, seem I, to might, like, I might have, I might have fed an entire YouTube channel through through Whisper AI just to, just to get transcripts for everything. Okay, I have a video coming about that on, on well, Thursday. Me by and the way. me and Matt will definitely be on the side of the negativity. We're, on we're the gonna, AI. we we need to poo poo this real fast. Okay. Anyways, um, <laughs> that's it for this podcast. We record the Linux Cast live every saturday at three o'clock p.m eastern time or there's abouts uh usually we start right on time and this week we started right on time uh we still ended up managing to go for an hour and a half i was aiming for an hour that's never going to happen again uh, i think tyler and i did manage 45 minutes exactly one time i'm not sure what i think that might have been the one where he was like in colorado and you know what you do in colorado i'm just <laughs> so um I don't think that that's ever going to happen again. Anyways, Saturdays, 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, YouTube.com slash LinuxCast if you want to watch us live and participate in the chat. Uh, we do interact with the chat all the time, usually off screen nowadays, because if we start having conversations with the chat inside of the podcast, uh, we never get anything done. So uh, you can uh, join us live there every Saturday. Uh, if you don't catch us live, we do... Keep the podcast up on YouTube where you'll be able to find timestamps to the podcast, usually around 8 o'clock or p.m. Eastern time. A few hours after the live stream ends, I'll add the timestamps so that you can jump around and move to the topics that, you know, enthuse you the most. Um, or and if that doesn't, you know, meet your requirements, you can find the podcast in audio form on your favorite podcatchers. Usually Sundays around 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time is when the podcast goes live on those podcatchers. So uh, you can find all of that stuff at the linuxcast.org. Before we go, I should take a moment to thank to everybody who does support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash the linuxcast. You guys are all absolutely freaking amazing. Without you, the channel is just not be anywhere near where it is right now. So thank you so very much for your support. We truly do appreciate everything, or at least I appreciate everything. The other guys don't get jack squat. Uh, <laughs> just point out, you are my, you're my minions, okay? Go to, ten, just, go to tenleejay.com slash sponsors, and you can find out how to send me stuff. Don't do that. Give me money. Everybody else, don't, everybody don't, else earns money. I make nothing. <laughs> well, that's because you get banned off from every platform. I'm just saying. I'm not banned. I'm not banned from payment platforms. Not yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not yet. Anyways. Don't try your luck. Uh, that's it for this week. We'll see you next week. All right, bye. bye.